0: You're telling me Minka Kelly noticed you when you were your shabby little headphones around your neck and you didn't (laughs) notice Minka Kelly blasting the Smiths. (laughs) Unreal. hello, hello. Hello
1: can't believe it's the end of june summer has begun officially
0: it is officially the second day of summer as we record this yeah 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 and in order to commemorate or celebrate i don't know this summer (laughs) for like what better movie to do than 500 days of summer
1: Yeah, this was one that, like, we, you know, obviously has been on the list for a long time. Right. We just never kind of got around to it. But I'm so glad that we've done it because I had not seen this movie really since high school. Mm -hmm. And I kind of forgot, like, how much I really, really loved it. So it was really,
0: like, lovely to revisit. That's so interesting because I, yeah, I haven't seen this movie as an adult. Yeah. Really. I don't know when the last time I saw it was maybe in college, but... Um, that's a bit of a time ago now, <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely interesting to watch because I literally texted Christina before watching it. I was like, Tom is such a villain. Like, hate that guy. <laughs> and then when we hopped on to record, we were like, I've been a Tom before. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was that was an illuminating thing in this watch for sure, where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm seeing things that I maybe have thought or done before. And I don't right. like it. But, you know, we've all oh been Tom at yeah. a Tom at one point in our lives. And I'm sure a lot of us have also been a summer at one point in our lives.
0: And definitely,
1: we are all just, you know deeply flawed individuals.
0: <laughs> that's it. At the end of the day, like, they are both just very human characters. They obviously made mistakes and mm-hmm. they've also, like, had a hard time communicating and been misunderstood. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that you don't get to see too often in movies where it's just, like, ships in the night, like, you, someone wants one thing and the other person wants the other thing. Like, you mm-hmm. rarely see uh kind of like conflict of interest where it's like one foot in one foot out it's usually just like oh they hate each other or they love each other
1: yeah especially in in like romantic movies there this one yeah. is definitely a subversion of the genre um which I think is really interesting but
0: before we yeah. like dive too deep into it should we talk about the numbers let's get into it let's get the financial Aspects in order, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This film had a budget of seven and a half million dollars and they made 60.7 million in the box office. Great return! Great return, super low successful, yeah. really low budget. Yeah, honestly, surprising because I just feel like now Joseph Gordon levitt is so famous, mm-hmm. or even back then, I feel in 2009. Was he not that famous in two thousand nine? I thought he was pretty famous. I mean, he he had been he had been working for a while. I feel like people yeah. knew about him, but this
1: movie was really huge for him and for Zoe Deschanel. Definitely, um, definitely, this I think put them on a on the map in a new way than they had before. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: this was before Inception,
0: right? Yeah, in the summer of. 2009 it was lauded as the breakout indie hit of the summer Mm -hmm. and i guess it did premiere at sundance like yeah it was made it seems like as kind of like a exciting like dream project because also the director had never made a movie before it was his debut making a feature film he was more of a what what the fuck is it called a music video director, <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: and I mean same with um one of the the screenwriters uh Scott Newstadter, I believe this was like the first film of his that ever got made. And it's, like, deeply based on a relationship that he had uh, with this woman, Jenny Beckman, who gets a lovely little shout-out right at the (laughs) top of the movie um, while he was living in London in grad school. And I watched, like, a couple interviews with him just because I was so curious about – because I never knew until this watch-around that it was actually based on, like, a real relationship. So I watched some interviews with him just to kind of get a sense of it. And um, apparently – After writing it, he obviously had to reach out to her and be like, hey, just so you know, like, I wrote this thing about us. Like, I hope that's cool. And she read it and she was like, yeah, like, that's, it's fine with me. Like, good for you. And they, like, had kind of, like, got back into contact at this point because when he wrote it, like, they were not talking at all. Wow. And then he was like, yeah, I think it's actually going to get made. And then it did. And the day after the movie came out, she deleted him on Facebook. So and they have not spoken since. So needless to say, I don't think she was super happy with it.
0: Hopefully she doesn't mind it now. I mean, yeah, I really don't think that summer is portrayed as a really negative person no. or a bad person. No, no. It's just the perspective of someone kind of just having an idealized version of someone mm-hmm. and it not working out.
1: Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people really misinterpreted this movie and they were like, oh, Summer's a bitch. Like, Summer's the villain. Yes. Because they don't understand that you're just
0: buying into Tom's perspective. Right. And I mean, also, there are a lot of pieces along the way that say, like, how she – seeing it as an adult, it's very clear that she says, like, I don't want anything serious. And, like, she might – be committal to him in some of the ways she acts, but she's very clear about not wanting a relationship. Mm -hmm. But as a a teenager, you're always like, why aren't the people doing exactly what we expect? Like, why is it so gray? It should be black and white. Because before I watched the movie too, I was thinking about how it was received in 2009. We were 13 when it came out. But I remember people talking about it mostly in high school Mm -hmm. and end of middle school and – I feel like that was what I had heard in the zeitgeist. It was just like, oh yeah, summer sucks. Like Mm -hmm. she like totally led him on. And also because Joseph Gordon Levitt was like the superstar, like hottie of the century.
1: He's so charming and endearing. It's so easy to
0: root for Joseph Gordon Levitt. (laughs) Absolutely. And yeah. especially around the 2010s era, he was just like mm-hmm. the hot guy. It was like him and Ryan Gosling, I feel, that got so much attention Definitely, when I, when I was in high school, at least.
1: At least in, in my world, for sure. Yeah. But <laughs> at least
0: um for theater kids Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. yeah we obviously have much to discuss so we'll just throw one little one little fun fact your way before we dive into it which is that this is actually not the first time that they work together zoe and Mm. joseph they had known each other for like almost a decade because they had done a movie together in 2001 called manic so they had been friends for a really long time and i think that like familiarity with each other totally shines through in this movie like their chemistry yeah. is like so easy and comfortable and like without the right dynamic of top and summer like this movie fails and they were like i think the perfect casting choices
0: they've always seemed really close with one another i remember seeing their like little duets and yeah. stuff on the ukulele and very cringe and twee shit, but <laughs> definitely very good chemistry.
1: Yeah. Well, before we dive in, we just want to remind you that this month on Patreon is our Bend It Like Beckham episode. So, if you are interested in checking that out, head on over to Patreon. We would uh, we'd love to have you.
0: That being said, should we? I don't have a good one for this. No. Can you think there's. Of a, I got yeah. nothing. I got nothing. Should we? <laughs> Summarize rise the, the movie. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> so we open on a very important author's note. The following is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Especially you, Jenny Beckman, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Great.
1: So our first scene of the film, we see Tom and Summer sitting on a park bench. They smile at each other, and we zoom into her hand on top of his, and she has an engagement ring on. And our omnipotent narrator says, this is a
0: story of boy meets girl. Yes. I don't know why I whispered that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that is day 488. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, day one. That was a rewind sound. (laughs) The boy, Tom Henson of Margate, New Jersey, grew up believing that he'd never be truly happy until the day he met The One. The belief stemmed from early exposure to sad British pop music and a total misreading of The Graduate, which is crazy (laughs) because that's a pretty clear movie. But sure. So, The Girl... Summerfin of Shinnecock, Michigan. I think so. Did not share this belief. Since the disintegration of her parents' marriage, she'd only loved two things: the first was her long, dark hair; the second was how easily she could cut it off and feel nothing. And in this moment, I like reflect upon me really disliking a lot of Zoe Deschanel's performances. Because she's so, like, quirky and twee. And I'm like, am I – do I hate women? <laughs> but I do concede that she's a good actress. Mm-hmm. It's just the – I don't know, the twee archetype that really, like, grinds my gears.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. You know, different vibes don't always, you know, yeah, work for everybody. She does have a very specific, like – style and everything so you know it just may not be for you
0: (laughs) yeah i will revisit this throughout the film Mm -hmm. but tom meets summer on january 8th and he knows almost immediately she is who he has been searching for oh my god (laughs) (laughs) way to just put everything you have on an individual that you haven't met yet Mm -hmm. so this is a story of boy meets girl but you should know up front, this is not a love story. Just immediately cue the Regina Spactor cut. If, if you
1: have forgotten that we're in 2009, listen to the soundtrack and you will not forget it for a second.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's the one where it's like, they made statues of us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, to like the home movies of like the, oh their childhoods. Goodness.
1: Yeah. So then we zoom over to... Day 290. And Tom's little sister, Rachel, a.k.a. a very young Chloe Grace Moretz in probably one of her first roles, because this would have been before... Um, what's it called? Kick-Ass? Kick-Ass, yeah. mm-hmm. So she races on her bike over to Tom's apartment. She has been called by his besties, Paul and Mackenzie, for backup. And she's like, you did the right thing. <laughs> and we just cut over to Tom... Smashing plates Comatose. on the kitchen counter. Yep. Dead dead in the eyes. Yes. And Rachel gets him to sit down. She gives him a glass of vodka and asks him to start at the beginning, tell us what happened. So Tom reflects on his relationship with Summer, saying things were going so well. And we see this, like, h- highlight reel of their time together. They're, like, at the record store. And they're, like, laughing. And they're holding hands. And it's all hee-hee, good times. Then sitting in a diner summer says i think we should stop seeing each other and tom is shocked and she's like what are we doing is this even like normal and tom says he doesn't care about what's normal he's happy isn't she and summer is shocked and says all they do is argue
0: (laughs) aren't you all we do is argue have you been here have you been here (laughs) And she even says that
1: they've been like Sid and Nancy for months now. And Tom is just like, Sid stabbed Nancy seven times with a kitchen knife. Like, sure, we've had our disagreements, but I hardly think I'm Sid Vicious. And she says, no, I'm Sid. (laughs) (laughs) So they get served their pancakes and she's like, you know, let's just eat. We'll talk about this later. And starts chewing away on her pancakes. And Tom gets up to leave. And she's like, Tom, don't go. You're still my best friend. And Rachel tells Tom that he's had breakups before. But Tom says this is different. It's summer. And Mackenzie and Paul, they try to tell him that he'll get over her. There's plenty of fish in the sea. But Tom says he doesn't want to move on. He wants to get her back. So we are already setting up that, like, our hero has an obstacle <laughs> which, like, implicitly makes you want to, like, root for him because he's the one going on the journey of, like, I got to get her back. Like, I got to fix this. Right,
0: And it's so common and, like, feels sensical to be like, yeah, get her back. But, like, mm. What if she doesn't want to be gotten back? And actually, it wasn't a great relationship to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's just that you had an idealized version of the person. Mm-hmm. They didn't meet that expectation. You couldn't take no for an answer. And, you yeah, know, we'll see it unfold. Tale as old as time. <laughs> tale <laughs> as old as time. You want to date someone and they don't want to date, date you. Classic. Classic. <laughs> so, day one, Tom is in a meeting He works for a greeting card company. It's something like New Hampshire greeting cards, whatever. And that's when Tom sees Summer for the first time. She comes over to Vance, his boss, and it turns out she is his new assistant. And there are only two kinds of people in this world. There's women and there's men. (laughs) Like, wow, 2009. You really Mm -hmm. had it all figured out, huh? Yep. (laughs) So... Summer Finn was a woman, average height and weight, just another girl, except she wasn't. And we get to hear the amazing little fairy tale backstory (laughs) of her being the manic pixie dream girl wherever she goes. It says her high school yearbook, quote, was a Bal and Sebastian lyric to color my life with the chaos of trouble, which caused a huge spike in their album sales in Michigan. And there's, like, a little, like, roundtable happening. They're like, why did album sales go up? Like, we can't tell. (laughs) And Summer's employment at the Daily Freeze coincided with a 200% increase in revenue. And we see this long line of men waiting to get served ice cream, including Tom. He is also in line in this scene. Mm. And every apartment Summer rented was offered at an average rate of 9.2% below market value.
1: Damn, I want that gene. That's the only one that I care about. That's the only one I care about.
0: (laughs) And lastly, her round-trip commute to work averaged 18.2 double-takes per day. It was a rare quality this summer effect. Rare, but one every post-adolescent male has encountered once in their lives. For Tom Hansen to find it now in a city of 3.8 million people, could only be explained by fate. I love the device of this, like,
1: narrator, because it's invoking, obviously, a classic trope of a fairy tale, where it's once upon a time we have this, like, narrator, because Tom does see everything in these very, like, fairy tale-esque terms. I thought it was very clever.
0: It does very much feel like Tom has never had a real issue in his life.
1: His, his main issue, he's like, oh, man, like, I always like girls, but I never have the courage to ask them out. Moe is me. Like, he's mom, one of mom, those. Mom. He is definitely, like, the nice guy trope to a T. Yeah.
0: It's it's so uh hard to pin down exactly the essence of, like, what this film gives you when you watch it. Because it is very much, like... We're rooting for him, but it's also, like, wonked. It's, like, like wonky. Yeah. Because he... Why am I rooting for this guy? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing special about him. There's nothing especially nice about him either. Like, he's not a great guy in the movie.
1: No, yeah. And the thing is, I think that Tom sees himself as, like such a nice guy that is deserving of basically, like, any relationship he feels entitled to because he's not as, like, overtly – I mean, we'll see this later on with his friends. He's not, like, as overtly misogynistic in, like, the way he talks or the way he sees himself Mm -hmm. as his, like, two friends. He's like, I'm such a good guy. Like, I'm such a nice guy. But those behaviors are still there. Right. It's like the Ted Mosby effect, too.
0: The Ted Mosby effect?
1: Yeah, from How I Met Your Mother. Oh. He's like, I'm such a nice guy. I'm so romantic. Like, why don't these relationships work out for me? But then, like, objectivize women and is, like, not a good dude. So, Wow. Yeah. So we then go to day three of these 500 Days of Summer – And Mackenzie sits down across from Tom at their cubicles and is like, yo, I heard Summer's a bitch. Patel tried to talk to her in the copy room and she wasn't having it. I'm like, dear Lord. Um, (laughs) Tom is disappointed and he's like, why did pretty girls think that they can treat everyone like crap and get away with it? Which made me think of his line in 10 Things I Hate About You where where he says that to Bianca. And Mackenzie says, centuries of reinforcement. And Tom is like, well, screw
0: her. I don't care. I don't need it. Who needs it? (laughs) (laughs) So we go to day four and Tom gets in the elevator. Of course, he's listening to there is a light that never goes out. And Summer pops into the elevator. He's totally like blinders on. Summer's a bitch mode when (laughs) she hears his music. And I'm like, First of all, it's too loud if someone else can hear it, but (laughs) she just goes, I love the Smiths, and says that he has good taste in music, and Tom's mind explodes like the submersible, and he's (laughs) like, I cannot believe a woman could enjoy the Smiths. I'm the only person in the world who could ever enjoy the (laughs) Smiths. Who is this magical creature? (laughs) Only I could like sad rock pop music. Mm-hmm. So Summer sings along to the song and says that she loves them before getting out of the elevator. And Tom is confounded. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> This is the meat, cute, guys. He's like, this is what we'll be talking about at our wedding. And Tumblr was changed forever. Forever. So we then go
1: to day eight. There's an engagement party for their coworker, Millie. And Tom brings Summer a glass of bubbly so he can make some small talk with her. They talk about how she just moved here from Michigan and how he's worked here for a few years. And she asks if he's always wanted to write greeting cards. And he says that he actually studied to be an architect. Wow. So she asks what happened there. Oh, my God. And Ted Mosby is also an architect. I never even put that together. A oh toxic architect. It's all
0: connected. <laughs> toxic <laughs> architect type.
1: So she asks, what happened there. And he says it didn't work out. He needed a job. And, you know, here he is. So she asks if he's any good at architecture. And he says, I doubt it. And she's like, well, you're a perfectly adequate greeting card writer. And Tom jokes that that was his nickname in college, perfectly adequate. And Summer goes, they used to call me anal girl. And he does an actual spit (laughs) take. And she just says, I was very neat and organized. So Summer goes back to her desk and Tom sits down and starts drawing some buildings. He's so inspired by this conversation. My queen. My (laughs) queen. Let me draw you some buildings. So he does draw a couple, but then the the self-doubt creeps in and he crumples it up and throws it
0: away. Day 154. Tom tells Paul it's official. He is in love with Summer. I love her smile. I love her hair. I love her knees. I love this heart-shaped birthmark she has on her neck. I love the way she sometimes licks her lips before she talks. I love the sound of her laugh. I love the way she looks when she's sleeping. She's like the wind. (laughs) 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 I love how I hear this song every time I think of her. I love how she makes me feel like anything is possible. Like, life is worth it. And I'm like, how much does she make you feel this way? And how much is your imagination? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Paul who is also i think he's on bones right yeah it's
1: matthew gray
0: goobler 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 i don't know how his last name is pronounced yeah but he is like this is not good because he has seen this before it's clear that this has happened to tom a couple of times
1: yeah like tom is a he's almost like a self-described like hopeless romantic i'm pretty sure he says that at some point and um an interesting thing to note is all of these things that he talks about that he loves about Summer are completely superficial.
0: Yeah. shes He's never like, oh, I love the way she talks about literature. It's so fascinating. And- or like, she's so kind
1: or e- right. like literally any attribute about her personality. He talks about all, you know, these, like this aesthetic, appearance yeah. things. Yeah. This, the aesthetic of her and also the way that she makes him feel about himself,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: which really, I think perfectly sets up the scope of, of Tom as, Somebody who sees summer as like a benefit to him, he doesn't take her in as a full person. She is like very two dimensional to her to him. And I was watching an interview with Zoe Deschanel talking about this movie and how because the whole thing is from Tom's point of view and he doesn't like really see summer, she had to like craft this three dimensional person, but play her two-dimensionally because, like, Ooh. all of those three-dimensional things about her, we never get to see because Tom never yeah. sees them, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What a what a nice, like, juicy little acting challenge. I know, right? It's always fascinating to me how actors play a role where things aren't just drawn out for them. mm mm-hmm. um, And I think she did a fantastic job, too, because, like I mentioned before, just... At the end of the day, like, she is really relatable, and we don't ever hate her. Like, she's never a mean person. No. But there is still that, like, sometimes it's like, oh, she seems, like, totally fine. Tom sucks. And then it's like, oh, wait, she did this. That kind of sucks. But, again, at the end of the day, she's, like, totally nice and is never mm-hmm. malicious towards him. Yeah. Um. So... We cut to day 11 and Tom is playing Wii Tennis with his little sister, Rachel, and tells her about his conversations with Summer and how compatible they are and how amazing she is. And Rachel says, just because some cute girl likes the same bizarro crap he does, doesn't make her his soulmate. And I'm like, if you had just listened to mm. your sister for a 0.5 seconds and yeah. taken that into your next date with Summer probably could have saved you a lot of heartache.
1: Yeah. I'm like, that, if I had remembered this fucking quote from when I watched this movie so many times, could have saved myself a lot of heartache in my dating. Oh, it may. Like, I'm like, wow, this person also loves this thing. It's like we have a cosmic connection. It's like, no, you don't. Right. No, right. you don't. You just both listened to the same song when you were kids, and it's just a coincidence.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Christ. Yeah. I Like, now I'm reflecting on my my tom moments and i'm like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is also definitely like an age thing because when at least for me when i was younger i was like oh in order to have someone be with me like if there are feelings there i just have to fight for them like i just have to fight for them (laughs) (laughs) like i have to make it my mission it has Which to be difficult. Psychotic. It has to be an obstacle. It has to be difficult. You always have to have a sick feeling in your stomach. Like they could wake up tomorrow and tell you they don't want to talk to you ever mm-hmm. again.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> that takes me right back to some very particular moments in time. <laughs> Just that sinking feeling of like, like sinking. this person may never
0: speak to me again. Right. Right. It's yeah. the – um, crazy ex-girlfriend love kernels effect oh yep 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 that was a that was a song i'll never forget
1: no yeah that one that was a brutal one i think that's what makes this movie like in some ways like not difficult to watch but i think that we as viewers are kind of forced to confront a lot of things that we might not like in ourselves yeah which is why a lot of people go to just like hating summer because they don't want to recognize that like some of the Things that Tom does or says, or the way that he views people, is like not good or healthy. Right. And if we recognize it in this character, in ourselves, then we have to admit that, like, maybe we have done or said or thought some unsavory things, which is never easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we go to day 22 and Tom tells Paul and Mackenzie that it's off between him and summer. And they're like, was it ever on? He's like, well, it was to me. Um, (laughs) Just the emotional masturbation that is happening with this guy is insane. And he tells them about how they were in the elevator. And he asked Summer how her weekend was. And she just said, it was good. And he's like, can you believe that? (laughs) What are you talking about? And he says, that means that she spent the whole time having sex with somebody that she met at the gym. And his friend's rightfully are like my brother you've lost the plot yeah, right and, <laughs> and i think paul yeah paul says did she say hey instead of hi because you know that means she's a lesbian right and tom says he's given her plenty of chances and the delusion my god those chances are her asking him if he needs anything from the supply room and him saying i think you know what i need and when she looks at him he just goes toner And also just playing the Smith song, please, please, please let me get what I want out loud in the office as she walked by.
0: Really, like, loud, too. And Mm. then as she, like, doesn't notice, he, like, shuts it off and he's just like, fuck,
1: fuck. Yeah. It's so funny to me how, like, Tom thinks that he's being, like, so clear and, like, putting out all these signs that are, like, Imperceptible to anyone else.
0: Imperceptible, absolutely. Yeah,
1: but then he's not able to pick up on any signs from summer when she shows very clear signs. So it just really shows that disconnect in his right. brain.
0: <laughs> Imagine if he listened.
1: <sighs> what a different listening. Movie this would have been.
0: <laughs> right. So it would have been over.
1: Yeah. He says, I don't need this crap anyways. You know what? It's fine. Loneliness is underrated. And Paul suggests, hey, maybe just ask her out. And Tom goes, don't be stupid.
0: (laughs) Okay, Tom. (sighs) So we go to day 27 and Mackenzie tells Paul that this Friday the whole office is going to karaoke. And I'm like, stop. Cut (laughs) cut the tape. If you ever get invited to office karaoke and you have a crush in the office – that is the spot like that is like where you will have the connection if they're interested i just feel like the karaoke happy hour is the moment mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah you can have like a silly goofy time
0: exactly have some
1: drinks if like they're into you and you sing and it's not good they'll be charmed by it
0: there is um this is a story i'm gonna tell in the pod actually <laughs>
1: I did once have somebody who became interested in me after watching me perform at karaoke. So I can confirm that it works. I sang a Paramore song and he was like,
0: yep. Oh, a Paramore song. Yeah. I sang um, Misery Business. Classic. That's a really good karaoke song too. Yeah. I feel like that's a good one to do with a duet if you just want to like have a blast. Yeah.
1: Everyone's singing along. It gets the people
0: going. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So we do, in fact, go to karaoke, uh, where Mackenzie, who's already pretty drunk, is singing "Every Rose Has Its Thorn." Tom goes up to Summer, and she's like, "Oh, I'm like a, a, you're here. They said you weren't coming." And he's like, "What you asked them if I was coming? Are you kidding?" He's
0: so excited. You love me. You love me. You love me.
1: <laughs> he's like, "You asked about me? Oh my god, What would you say, yeah." <laughs> It's then Summer's turn to sing. So she gets up on stage and in classic Zoe Deschanel tweet fashion, she sings Sugartown. And they did which let – Which Zoe
0: Deschanel picked.
1: Yeah, I was going to so say they let, um, they let Zoe and uh, Joseph
0: pick their karaoke songs, which I thought was fun. So later on, Tom sits with Summer and Mackenzie in a booth and he tells her she was great up there. And they talk about how they both love to sing Born to Run" at Karaoke. And Mackenzie points out that Tom is from New Jersey, just like Bruce Springsteen. And Mackenzie's like, Summer, do you have a boyfriend? Just let's get it out there. Let's get it out, out in the open.
1: Honestly, a pretty clever exposition device is just have the drunk friend ask inappropriate questions.
0: Right. For yeah. sure. Let's bring the bring the plot along, shall we? Mm-hmm. We only have 90 minutes. Yeah. And she's like, nope, no boyfriend. And he's like, well, why not? And Summer refreshingly says, because I don't want one. And Mackenzie says he doesn't believe that. And I'm like, all right, I'm <laughs> done with the drunk friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Summer asks, what's so unbelievable about a woman enjoying being free and independent? And Mackenzie, in classic 2009 fashion, asks if she's a lesbian and Summer says, no, she just doesn't feel comfortable being anyone's girlfriend or anyone's anything for that matter. And I do find it interesting that they never touch again upon her parents' disintegrated marriage, which they, mm-hmm. like, explicitly mention in the intro.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting also that Tom's parents are divorced, too. Mm. Because he says – he's like, well, so are my parents. But, yeah, we never, like, pick those back up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they just keep talking for a bit and she's like, I like being on my own. Relationships are messy and people get hurt. You know, who needs it? We're young and we live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So we might as well enjoy it and save the serious stuff for later. And I'm so curious how old they are in this movie Mm -hmm. because I feel like now they're I am their age. I even older, maybe.
1: Yeah, I assume that they're like late 20s. Yeah, like mid to late 20s. I don't think they're in their 30s yet. Where late 20s. Yeah. Well, we are. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Love that. (laughs) (laughs) So So, Tom asks what happens if she falls in love? And Summer asks if he really believes in that. And she asks what that word love even means. Like, I've been in relationships and I've never seen it. You know, most marriages Mm -hmm. end in divorce. And this is where we get the mention that both of their parents are divorced. And Mackenzie says drunkenly, the lady doth protest too much. And Summer says, the lady doth not There's just no such thing as love. It's a fantasy.
0: That's pretty jaded.
1: Yeah. Like, that's definitely – it's an extreme for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and Tom says he thinks that she's wrong, and Summer asks what she's missing then. And Tom says, you know when you feel it. And they do have this like kind of electric eye contact going on right now, and they agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Summer and Mackenzie then decide that it's time for Tom to get up and sing, and we cut over to him singing Here Comes Your Man by The Pixies. And Summer is is pretty charmed by him. I think she's she's taken an interest, not necessarily romantically, but she she's taken a liking to Tom.
0: Definitely. Later on in the evening, Tom and Summer are at the bar trying to remember the theme song for Night Rider, while Mackenzie is just super, super drunk singing, Proud to Be an American. Um, that's hilarious. And they bring him out of the bar. Tom is about to just you know, load him into a cab when Mackenzie drunkenly spills the beans to Summer that Tom likes her. Oof. And Tom shoves him in the car. Like they go off and then Tom turns to Summer. She, he's like, I'm so sorry. And Summer's like, is that true? Do you like me? And Tom is like, of course I like you. And Summer asks, if he means his friends, like, just his friends. And Tom is like, yeah, yep. Liar. Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Why do you ask? But I, I'm i also like, unless Summer wants to just humiliate him, I feel like she must be interested in him to ask for clarification.
1: I guess, yeah. That's true. Or it could be just to, to reiterate, like, I'm not looking That's true. for
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, And Summer tells him that she thinks he's interesting and that she'd like for them to be friends. And Tom is like, yeah, we should be friends. But just stares at her like he wants to kiss her. And they don't. They're like, good night. Peace out, Cub Scout.
1: Yeah. It's once again, like, Tom completely misreading the situation because he feels feelings for Summer. So everything has this, like, romantically charged undertone to it in his viewing of it, but not on her end.
0: My rate of the film is that she has feelings for him and she's like she did feel like she had feelings for him when they first met, but they just aren't, you know, as serious as Tom wishes they were.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I think she has an interest in him and I think she... I think, yeah, I would say she would find him attractive and everything, but Mm -hmm. because she isn't looking to date, she's not interested in that at all, she's not viewing it in the same way that he is.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Like, uh, having a crush on someone is way more casual for her than it is for him. Like, he's been agonizing about this girl for, like, weeks. Yeah. And reading so much into every single interaction that they have. But for her, it's just like, yeah, like, I I can think someone's cute and, like, maybe casually date them for a bit and it doesn't have to mean anything.
0: He's like, it means everything.
1: Mm -hmm. But in any case, we go to day 31, and Tom is in the copy room when Summer comes in to photocopy some stuff as well, and while they wait for their machines, Summer goes over to Tom and just kisses him. Wow. They start making out, and then when Summer's machine is done, she grabs her documents, walks back over, looks at Tom in the eye, and then just walks out, and... Yeah, we never we never get any clarity or understanding of what changed for Summer, why she did this. We don't get to know really anything about her motivations, which I think is it's very like purposeful Mm -hmm. on the part of this movie that we don't get to see any of like Summer's inner life or her decision making or anything because she is Mm -hmm. such a she's so elusive to Tom.
0: Yeah, we never get anything of her internal life. We never see her even in a moment alone of like no contemplation or anything. No, we never see her in her space alone. It's just always in relationship to Tom. Mm-hmm. So we go to Tom's apartment, and Paul comes over to Tom's place, uh, freaking out over Tom and Summer after how he's been just obsessing over her, and Tom tries to shut up Paul. As he asked if they hooked up in summer, exits the bathroom and meets Paul. It's super awkward. And Paul leaves and mentions on his way out that Tom should let him know if any jobs come up.
1: Yeah, because he has this whole thing. Where it's like, oh, do you get a, a hand job, a hum job or whatever? Yeah. yeah. So we then zoom to day 282. Tom and Summer are in Ikea, and Tom is doing a bit about how, oh, like, honey, all of our sinks are broken. Ah. And Summer just walks away. I do like this convention. We see it a lot through the movie where we have, like, punchline. We see punchline first, and then we see the setup for the joke
0: in a later scene. Yeah. So on day 34, Tom and Summer are walking through Ikea, and they do the bit where they're like, oh, I love, like, my kitchen. Good thing we had bought a house with two kitchens and walks into the other room of uh, the IKEA kitchen. They do an imaginary dinner scene. They run through the store and go into the bedroom and, like, lay down on the bed together. And Tom is like, darling, I don't know how to tell you this But there's a Chinese family in our bathroom and they just pan over and there's like a family shopping at Ikea just Mm -hmm. staring at this couple like laying down about to make out on the bed. Yeah. I'm like, my people are crazy. (laughs) Like (laughs) there are people shopping. Like the thought of laying down on
1: one of those beds in Ikea seems very gross to me.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I can't even imagine – How dirty that comforter is I'm sure it's not getting regularly laundered
0: (laughs) No, certainly not I do want to go to an Ikea trip now Now that I'm talking about it Because then you go to Ikea You look at everything Get a little Swedish meatballs Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, keep going Yeah, get some
0: jars, whatever So after this moment They're like laughing And Summer tells Tom this is fun And he's fun And kisses him And then she says she's not really looking for anything serious and asks him if that's okay. And Tom, lying through his fucking teeth, says, yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And Summer's like, you know, some people freak out when they hear that. But Tom is like, oh, not me. Casual. Let's take it slow. (sighs) And as they walk through Ikea, Summer holds Tom's hand.
1: Yeah, this is this part was especially brutal for me to watch because I have done that where I've been like, yeah, I'm totally fine Aww. with this casual thing. And I was not I had like very deep feelings for the person and he did not uh, reciprocate that. But i was just like, yeah, no, this is totally fine. And you know who suffered for it? Me.
0: You're, you're only like you're just the only one suffering alone. So don't yeah. do this. Don't and it- put yourself in this situation. It also, in my experience, absolutely taints any good memories you have with the person, too. Because you're like, oh, remember that good memory? Damn, I wish we were dating. Yeah. Like, in a relationship. And, yeah, it's just, like, always hanging over your head Mm -hmm. when you want something more.
1: It's brutal. My heart goes out to anyone in a situation like this right now. Mm Mm-hmm peace be with you. It's rough times.
0: It kind of reminds me of Olivia Rodrigo's album.
1: Oh yeah, that album came out as I was exiting my 2-year situationship and it was right. very important for my healing.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I do think her songs are super empowering towards being like, you know what? It it was shitty what happened, but like yeah. I am an important person, like I'm special. I have my memories and my life. Like I do feel like her album is super empowering to just be like, yeah, it sucked, but also like I'm a human being too.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Summer and Tom go back to his apartment. They are making out on the bed when Tom excuses himself to go to the bathroom, gives himself a little pep talk in the mirror. And is like, you know, she's just a girl. She wants to keep it casual. That's fine. Like I can do this. I'm like, no, you can't. But (laughs) Okay. And he comes out of the bathroom to Summer naked in his
0: bed. So we can all fill in the blanks there. Mm -hmm. In the morning, Tom walks out of his building just feeling like a million bucks. And we hear the million bucks song, you making my dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) And... He is the star of the show. Everyone is smiling at him on the street. He, like, fixes his hair in his reflection and sees Han Solo (laughs) winking back at him. And he's just saying hello to everyone. People are shaking his hand congratulating him until it evolves into a whole huge dance number through the park. There's a marching band. The whole nine yards. And this, like cartoon bird lands on his shoulder he strolls into the elevator feels amazing
1: i love this sequence it's so i really love all of the kind of like surreal dream yeah. like daydream sequences in this movie i think it's really interesting and like a little experimental and i love it when something is stylized like that
0: mm-hmm. um like give me a perspective
1: yeah we're getting to see his inner life fully lived out to the max and realized and this whole sequence is like Ridiculous, but so fun! Like the cartoon bird landing on his shoulder and everything is really the, the cherry Solo on top. <laughs>
0: winking got me so hard. I thought it
1: was hilarious. Yeah. Initially, like it was even bigger. Apparently. Like, the Hamburglar was a part of it. There was, like, a huge parade. Hall and Oates were, like, gonna be in the scene. Wow. But then they pulled out at the last minute, because one of them, don't know which one, but one of them was kind of like, no, I think this is going to be, like, really stupid. So they decided not to do it. (laughs) Little did they know that the movie was going to be a hit. Yeah. Yeah. And that this scene would be, like, really popular, too.
0: What's the... Oh, in 27 Dresses, they sing Benny and the Jets. Mm -hmm. That's also a great movie song.
1: For sure. So we then
0: very abruptly cut to day 303,
1: where the elevator door opens and Tom is looking a mess. He is not in the best shape currently. And he watches as his boss is training his new assistant. And Mackenzie asks Tom, oh, Have you got her back yet? Ha ha. And Tom just goes working on it. And Mackenzie can see that his friend is like really going through it right now. So he's like, you know, maybe you should write a book. Henry Miller said the best way to get over a woman is to turn her into literature. And Tom says, that guy had a lot more sex than me. But then Tom gets an email from Summer. So he jumps to read it. And the email says, so great to hear from you. I can't this week, but maybe next. I hope this means you're ready to be friends.
0: Yikes. Yeah. So we go to day 45, and Summer is on the phone in the copy room singing the Knight Rider theme song. Who's on the other end of the call? It's Tom at his desk. And he's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. You got it. (laughs) And Mackenzie walks over and tells Tom that his girl is losing it. Like, you? do you not realize they're both on the phone with each other?
1: Just mere steps away yeah. <laughs> from each other. So then day 85, Tom and Summer are in a video store arguing because Summer says that Octopus's Garden is the best Beatles song ever recorded and she loves Ringo Starr. She's so subversive. She's not like other girls. <laughs> and then Summer drags him into the adult section. Later that night, they watched the porn movie that they rented, which is called Sweet and Shower, and Summer says, that looks pretty doable. So we then cut to them in the shower trying out whatever it is, and they end up taking the shower curtain down with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love all of the the fact that pretty much the majority of the scenes in, in this movie are just kind of slice of life, little mundane, banal like relationship moments, Yeah, because – that's, you know, what real life is. It's not always, like, a super dramatic, like, there's this crazy love triangle and we're in this insane situation where you're trying to buy out my bookstore and put me out of business. Like yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's just the you, these days and these moments that you have with people that ultimately might not add up mm-hmm. to anything, but they're just these moments in time. And I know when they wrote this, basically what they did is – between the two screenwriters like real life experiences, they had really different dating experiences. So Scott, who like this movie is based on his relationship. He had never really had like a real relationship before he had gone on a lot of dates and things had never worked out well. Whereas the other screenwriter had been in like a long-term relationship with his high school sweetheart at the time. It's like Paul. Exactly. Yeah. So they just wrote down all these different moments, like a huge list And then the way they came up with the order is he just, like, went through and wrote, okay, like, this would be day one. This would be, like, day 45. This would be on this day. And that's how they, like, kind of came up with the structure of this movie. And it really didn't change much from that initial list to the movie that we ended up seeing, which is pretty cool. wow
0: Yeah, it feels very organic, very, very much lives of life. Yeah. We go to day 95, and Tom brings Summer to a particular street that he loves to show her the architecture on the buildings above them. And specifically, the fine arts building.
1: Oh, I think this is when Sweet Disposition plays also. Wow. And I every time I hear that song, I think of this
0: movie. <laughs> this, again, the soundtrack for this movie is very 2009, but it's mm-hmm. also like great hits from 2009.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a very, very yeah. good soundtrack. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Some montage, movie montage songs might be coming from this soundtrack Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. is what I'm thinking right now. (laughs) Then Tom brings her to a nearby park to his favorite bench, which he loves because of the view it has of the city and the skyline. And he talks about the history of the buildings and how he wishes people would notice it more. And if it were him, he would make them notice. And Summer asks how and asks him to show her. So he pulls out a pen and tells him – so she pulls out a pen and tells him to use her arm as paper and Tom starts drawing like a really magnificent skyline and these buildings and it's actually like a beautiful like a drawing sketch Mm -hmm. type thing of the buildings that we see. I just thought it was like – yeah, you said this shot is really beautiful. I think it's like very well done. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's that one particular shot where he like the the cameras in focus on the the buildings and then it kind of zooms out when he holds up her arm and we see like the the cityscape that he's drawn replacing like that exact yeah. view. It's really it's really beautifully shot. I mean, this whole movie, there's so many beautiful like so much beautiful cinematography is going on in this movie, Definitely. which I don't think it really like gets that much credit for. And especially talking about the music and what an important role, like, the music plays in this movie, I think it's definitely to their benefit that the director had done mostly music videos because his relationship to, like, camera work and music, I think, uh, it was really beneficial to the storytelling.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can really tell he has, like, a great grasp of control on how to use music in a movie. Mm -hmm. And I think the vignette style also lends itself to... A music video vibe just in that like you're explaining a story using a lot of music and visuals and it's in brief moments mm-hmm. um yeah that's that's the end of thought. <laughs> <laughs> go on.
1: so we then go to day 109 and summer brings tom to her apartment for the first time just want to take a moment Bro. for the wallpaper in this apartment Because it like looks so cool yeah.
0: It was the origami birds for me The Magritte mm-hmm. little like a bowler hat with the apple on yeah. it Yeah, I was like twee, twee, fucking twee mm-hmm. And then Josh was like Oh isn't that the, the wallpapers Like the pattern of the curtains that you wanted to buy And I was like You got my fucking ass <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a it's such a cute little space, and I don't know if we talked about it. I think we were talking about it off mic, but they how use, much money is she making as a secretary? Well, it her apartment is below market value. Apparently, she oh, got a great deal shit. on it.
0: You're so right.
1: <laughs> but um, they use the color blue a lot in this movie, yeah. and that's specifically because of Zoe Deschanel's eyes, and they wanted to like make them really pop at every moment. So she is wearing blue in almost every single scene if not like her clothing then at least she has some sort of blue accessory um but she her color palette is all like blues some grays white like we only see her in a warm color one time the whole movie but yeah her whole apartment the blue and white wallpaper Mm -hmm. like the blue accents everywhere the pajamas that she wears the bedding blues everywhere But as Tom is walking around this beautiful blue apartment, our narrator says, For Tom Hansen, this was the night that everything changed. That wall Summer so often hid behind, the wall of distance, of space, of casual, that wall was slowly coming down. For here was Tom, in her world, a place few had been invited to see with their own eyes. And here was Summer,
0: wanting him there. Him.
1: No one else.
0: I'm like, that narrator is Tom's brain. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It, it is Tom's inner voice for sure. So Summer and Tom are laying in bed and they're talking about like their their bad recurring dreams that they have. And Summer says she dreams sometimes about flying. It starts out with her running really fast, and then the terrain starts to get rocky and steep, and she's running so fast that her feet aren't even touching the ground, and she's floating. She's free and safe, and then she realized she's completely alone, and we hear Summer's voice just kind of fade out into the background, <laughs> and the narration takes over and says, as he listened, Tom began to realize <sighs> That these weren't stories routinely told; these were stories one had to earn. He could which feel the not wall listening to. At <laughs> I all. know, literally, isn't even listening to her. Be vulnerable with him. Share like details about her life. He's thinking about himself and how it relates to himself, which is hugely contrasted to the scene before this, when Summer is asking him genuine questions about. His passion and love for architecture and actually, like, trying to get to know him.
0: Encouraging him.
1: Yeah. And he's like, wow, I can't believe she's telling me these stories, not even listening to the stories themselves. Only, like, the status that they hold in their relationship. But the narration continues. (laughs) He could feel the wall coming down. He wondered if anyone else had made it this far, which is why the next six words changed everything. And Summer just goes... I've never told anybody that before. And Tom says, I guess I'm not just anybody. And I want to shake this man and be like, do you hear yourself? (laughs) But also I do understand the intoxicating power Mm -hmm. of somebody saying, I've never told anyone that before. Totally. After they've just shared something with you. Especially –
0: him it framing it that way too, to be like, all I need to hear is that, like, I'm special. All I need to hear is mm-hmm. I'm special. And then she's like, I've never told anyone that before. And just the light bulb going off of him being like, mm-hmm. I'm per- like, I'm the perfect one for you. I'm your soulmate.
1: Yeah. He's like, I can fix her. I can
0: change her. Oh, she will believe in love because it's with me. <laughs> the biggest, I think, um, realization for me being in like a healthy relationship is like you can't change anyone Mm -hmm. which is something it's like said so often and i think there is a difference between like wanting the best for your partner
1: yeah there's a difference between growth and and changing somebody fundamentally yeah right
0: because you can't be the person who is like You've always wanted to do this thing. Like, I am gonna be the one to to help you accomplish it, and, um, you know, I am gonna be the one who's like this amazing impact on your life. And and be, once you do this thing, it's gonna be like perfect. We're gonna be in this amazing relationship because, mm-hmm. unless the person wants to do that thing, yeah, it's done. Like, it's not gonna happen. No matter how much you want it for them, they're if they're not willing to put in the effort, they're not gonna do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you can't expect somebody to fill emotional shoes that you've made for them.
0: Yeah. They have to make the shoes themselves. They have to they want shoes. They want to They have to get the leather. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have to nail in the soles. They have yeah. to cobble the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, it's, it's definitely hard because it, it's so easy, especially like – in early stages like this when you when you really don't know the person that well to be yeah. to like come up with a fantasy in your head of like oh if this person's just like with me and they like get over their hang-ups like everything will be fine it'll be good and it's like well no you're just not seeing the person for like you're not meeting them where they are and what right. they actually want at this time you're investing in a future possibility which most likely won't
0: even happen right yeah uh, so we go to Tom and his friends and Paul asks Tom what he and Summer are like are you her boyfriend and Tom says it's not that simple you know we're adults we know how we feel we don't need to put a label on it it's it's really juvenile <laughs> and Mackenzie and Paul are like okay you sound gay And Tom says, first of all, Mackenzie, your last girlfriend was in the seventh grade and you dated for three hours. And Paul, you've been in a relationship with Robin since 1997. So I'm sorry, but you're not exactly authorities on modern relationships. And I'm like. And you are. Denial is the first (laughs) step. Denial is a river in Egypt. Yeah. So denial is a river in Egypt.
1: (sighs) (sighs) We go to day 118. Tom goes to Rachel's soccer game and asks what he should do. And Rachel says he just needs to talk to her. But Tom is worried about rocking the boat and putting a
0: label on it. If you're worried about rocking the boat, immediate red flag. Yeah. you're. If, you, if you're worried about that, it's already over. Like you already know. Because if you have to tiptoe, you can't be in a relationship with that person. Or like they don't want to be yeah. in a relationship with you. That's what I'm talking – the sinking feeling. The sinking stomach feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like I know with my with my past situationship, I like very actively avoided telling him how I felt because I knew for like 100%. I knew the second Ugh. I said how I felt, it would be over and I wasn't ready to let it go even though it was like very bad for me and I was suffering daily. But Aww. I was like, but I can't let it go. So then I, I'll just keep suffering and it'll be fine. <laughs> And it's so hard, so. too,
0: because it's, like, the person who has the feelings, like, deserves a healthy, yeah. happy relationship with the person caring about them. But mm-hmm. it is inevitably when all those signs are there, it's it's not going to be that person. Mm-hmm. So Rachel
1: hears this and she's like, yeah, that's what happened with me and Sean, my boyfriend before Mark. So <laughs> despite <laughs> being, like, 13. Oh, what? She's had some experience, and Rachel says that it's obvious he wants to ask Summer, but he's afraid of getting an answer he doesn't want, which will shatter the illusions of how great their time together has been. And I'm like, re-fucking-tweet. Right. So Rachel says he should find out now before he shows up at her place, and she's in bed with Lars from Norway, some guy she met at the gym with Brad Pitt's face and Jesus's abs. She then gets up from the bench to go join her soccer game and tells Tom, don't be a pussy. Wow. Coming from your
0: little sister.
1: Yeah. And apparently the the writer, he did have like a little sister who was oh, no significantly way. younger than him and he would ask her for advice and she'd be like, dude, grow up.
0: <laughs> so my brother has asked me for advice, but not like my brother never had this like delusion. Um, right. <laughs> luckily, but it was more of like we would have conversations about like. Like, getting over a long-term relationship or mm. or what have you. But it is interesting how his only, like, honest sounding board is his little sister. Like, mm. his friends only understand parts of the relationship. Like, he really doesn't open up to them.
1: No, yeah. Like, she's definitely the voice of reason in this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. So, we see Tom driving. He's deep in thought and Summer asks if he's okay. And then he finally approaches the subject with her and asks what they're doing, like, what's going on with them. And Summer's like, I don't know. Like, who cares? I'm happy. Like, aren't you happy? And he's like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm so happy.
0: <laughs> and I'm like summer he clearly cares like yeah you gotta know by now that he's like not okay with it being a situation instead of a relationship but Mm -hmm. again it's it's both of their miscommunications that are adding fuel to this like distraught fire yeah and He's like, yeah. And Summer just sings along to the French song on the radio and they like joke around and the moment passes.
1: So we then go to day 259 and Tom and Summer are sitting at this cocktail bar. Tom is talking about how, you know, girls in London from 1964, they knew how to dress. I hate him so insufferable yeah he's like nowadays it's just giant sunglasses and tattoos and little
0: dogs and handbags i'm like if you're describing paris hilton yeah she had fashion figured out Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know Um, what you're alluding to unlike
1: you with your your hoodie and shirt and tie okay mr fashion genius over here
0: (laughs) fashionista
1: summer says some people like it And Tom is like, well, I like the way that you dress. And then she jokes about getting a little butterfly tattoo on her ankle.
0: And he's like, no.
1: And I'm like, you're so annoying. Then a guy in a suit, and I looked up, like, the cast just to see, like, if he was given a name. And this character is credited as Douche, so that's what (laughs) I'm going to call him. Um, Douche comes over to try and hit on Summer and buy her a drink she says, no, thank you. And the douche asks, like, if what are you with this guy? Come on, just one drink. What are you drinking? And Summer repeats, no, I'm good. Thank you so much. And then the douche goes, come on, this guy? And Summer says, hey, don't be rude. I'm flattered, but I'm not interested. So please just leave us alone. Walk away. The douche then says it's a free country and just stands there for a second. And it's incredibly awkward. Before he finally decides to walk away. But has to turn around and say, I can't believe this is your boyfriend and starts laughing. And Tom gets up and punches the guy. Yikes. And then the guy immediately
0: fucking rocks back up and punches Tom. He certainly does. What did you think of this scene? Do you think that when the guy first kind of like approaches her and bothers her? That she wants Tom to intervene at all. No. Really? I don't think so. I kind of thought that she maybe wanted him to intervene, but only, in, only to be like, hey, she's clearly not interested. Why don't you walk away? Like, before getting physical. Like, not getting physical, just kind of being like, because even a friend, I feel like, might say that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say because Summer is somebody who so values like her independence. I don't mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see her expecting that from anyone else, but again, we know so little about her. Yeah. that it's really hard to to figure out what her motivations are a lot of the time. Um, but I mean, I think it's very telling that Tom only intervenes when his, like, pride and respect is being called into question. Not when Summer is being harassed by this dude, but by this dude making fun of him. Mm -hmm. So, like, what Summer says in the next scene, she's like, oh, was that for my benefit? Didn't seem like it. Because it wasn't for her. He did it for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they go back to Summer's apartment, and Tom is kind of just, like, babbling on about how – being punched fell and like punching. He's like, it was so surreal. It happened so quickly. Summer is clearly upset. And when Tom finally asked her what's wrong, she's like, that was just completely uncool. And Tom is like, I was defending you, but summer has her doubts. And she's also like, well, don't do that next time. You know what? I'm kind of tired. Can we talk about this tomorrow? So Tom is, He's literally holding, like, ice to his face as well. He's, like, about to leave, but stops and asks her to tell him what's going on. And she tells Tom they're just friends, which Tom doesn't take well at all. Yeah. And he's like, don't give me that. Like, we're clearly more than friends. Like, you know, friends don't kiss in the coffee room or have sex in the shower. And says that they're a couple and just, like, Bounds down the stairs and leaves.
1: Yeah, he like he really goes in on her because I think she's even she even says something where it's like, Well, I don't want that. And he's like, Well, you're not the only one who gets a say in it. And I say right. we're a couple. And in some ways, like I get I totally understand like why he would feel this way because yeah, her actions don't necessarily line up with somebody who doesn't want a relationship who doesn't want to be intimate mm-hmm. like they spend all this time together and she's like physically affectionate with him and you know for all intents and purposes they do act like a couple yeah and you can say up front i can, this is like literally a conversation that i had to have and like struggled not to cry during with my situationship because he was complaining to me about like somebody else That he was talking to and them expecting uh, relationship stuff from him. And he's like, I don't get how I'm always in this situation where I, like, tell someone up front and then they expect me to do boyfriend things. Like, am I just supposed to treat them like an asshole? And I'm like, well, no, you don't have to treat someone like an asshole, but if you are doing and saying all these intimate things you can't expect that just because you said one time at the beginning that you didn't want a relationship that that means like your bases are covered and you can just you know get all the boyfriend privileges without right giving the person what they necessarily want like it makes mm-hmm. sense that people would read into that and i was like i was like to be honest you've done some of those things with me I don't read it that way because I know how you feel, but I wouldn't blame someone else for reading into the way that you talk. Like he would talk to me about like marrying me and stuff like that. Like, it's just, you can't do that kind of stuff. And then he like, illegal. I'm confused. Like, why would they think I want a relationship with them? Okay. So that's I understand. I understand like where he's coming from. Cause it's, in, it's incredibly like confusing. And really hard to reckon with. So, it's, again, it comes down to, like, their communication not being clear. And also him not actually, like, taking her word seriously when she has said, at least in in this particular instance, like, she has said multiple times that she's Mm -hmm. not looking for a relationship. And he's just, like, choosing to ignore that.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, uh... It's so hard when matters of the heart are involved, right? Mm -hmm. But... The fact that she says, like, we're just friends here, I'm like, well, you're not. That's not true. But at the same time, as an adult, I think you have to exact self control. If Mm. you know that you don't want a relationship, then, like, and the person does, like, you can't just, you kind of got to, like, say, hey, I can't be that person for you. I think that we need to end it here.
1: Like, yeah, you have to you have to draw boundaries,
0: right? Exactly, because
1: it's not that like Summer is completely oblivious. Like she knows how Tom feels about her. Yeah, so that's why I, I I don't agree with a lot of the kind of black and white discourse around this movie, where it's like Tom's the villain. No, Summer's the villain. It's so much more nuanced than that. Like they mm-hmm. both make mistakes, and they both do. Wrong things. Does do some of them maybe do more wrong things than the other? Absolutely. But it's just so much more complicated than just like one person being completely in the right. Cause that's just not how life works.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. So that night, Tom is like tossing and turning in bed, and he actually picks up the phone off the receiver. And on the split screen, we see in her bed Summer's eyes open. But Tom puts the phone back down. He decides not to call Summer. And then in the middle of the night, there's a buzz at the door. And who should arrive but Summer herself, wet from the rain. And she apologizes to Tom for getting mad at him. And Tom is like, I get that you don't want to put a label on things, but I need some consistency, like... I need to know you're not going to wake up in the morning and decide that you don't want to be with me or whatever. And she's like, I can't give you that. No one can give you that. But they follow that by kissing and making up. So
1: It's just so tragic. (laughs) Yeah. So Summer and Tom, the next morning... They're talking, and he asks about if she's ever even had a boyfriend before, and she says yes, and he then asks for the details on all of them. Stop right there. (laughs) Don't do it. You don't need to know. It's not important. (laughs) So Summer eventually gives in, and she's like, all right, you asked for it. So in high school, there was Marcus. He was a rower, very hot. And then in college, there was Charlie. She was nice, but, you know. And then when I when she studied abroad in Italy, there was Fernando, who everyone called the, the Puma. Puma. <laughs> and Tom asks, well, what happened? Like, why, why didn't they work out? And Summer says, what always happens?
0: Life. Life. I'm just a girl. <laughs> so we go to day 226, and they're in the park together. And Summer and Tom play the penis game. It's obviously Summer's idea. She's, like, pretty bold, but Tom is shy at first, and then he gets into it. They're just, like, screaming and giggling and having a grand time.
1: The way this game took the world by storm after this movie came out, everyone at yeah. school was like, let's play yeah. the penis game. So then we go to day one ninety one. Summer and Tom go to an art gallery with all this modern art that, you know, one of them is literally a pile of shit. So they decide, all right, let's just go to the movies
0: instead. So, is the other one a pile of mouse traps or is it something else? I don't know what it is. It's like some sort of metal, though. Like it's, it's a pile of crap. Yeah, it's not it's, to be confused with the actual turd sculpture. Yeah, because there
1: is one of those. <laughs> But yeah, they decided to go to the movies instead, and they see this movie called The Giant, which is part vampire, part giant, and they're just laughing away in the theater.
0: Very funny shit. So we go to day 314, where Tom is in the theater again, but this time he's alone. He's looking depressed and he watches a french film where he begins to envision himself as the protagonist and we see one of the captions as or subtitles as more than broken he is alone and then we see a mime standing behind him and he gives the mime this balloon that he's been holding but the mime lets the balloon float away and then just slaps tom oh my gosh And then we see a Swedish film with Summer and Tom in it. They're just, like, suffering, suffering. A shitload of suffering is what I'm saying. And then there's a final, like, movie clip where he's, um, I think he's, like, kind of dressed up like a knight or something. Yeah. And he's playing chess with a kid dressed as Cupid. And then he finally wakes up and realizes that he's fallen asleep in the movie theater. Mm Mm-hmm. So, rough times
1: for Mr. Hansen. We then go to day 321, and the new secretary goes up to Tom and tells him that Mr. Vance wants to see him in his office. So he goes to his meeting with Vance, and Vance asks if... Something happened to him recently, like a death in the family. Has someone fallen ill? An illness. (laughs) And then asks if this has anything to do with Summer leaving because everybody knows that they were together. And he says that lately his work performance has been a little off. And he shows him a card that Tom has recently written, which says, roses are red, violets are blue. Fuck you, whore. So you can't hand that in. No, you can't. The fact that it was even printed on a card is crazy town. But Tom asks if he's being fired, and Vance says, No, you're one of the good ones. Tom apologizes and tells him it's been really difficult. And Vance is like, You know what? Why don't you switch over to doing sympathy cards? You know, loss of faith, sadness, misery. Tom thanks him and leaves the office. And on his way out, he sees. Happy Valentine's Day card that reads, I love us. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember if it's, like, already happened in the movie or if it happens later. But, like, when Tom is really happy, he's, like, able to come up with all these different, like, greeting card slogans.
0: And I love us is one of them.
1: Inspired by him and Summer.
0: Yeah. I think it's actually the next scene where he – Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Literally literally the next scene. (laughs) So Tom runs into Mackenzie at work. It's day 167. And he asks him about the twenty cards he has due, but Tom is like, "Oh, they're all done." And Mackenzie's like, "Okay, can you help me then? I need to make like a a proud of you card, like a congratulations or whatever." And Tom just on the off the dome off the cuff, mm-hmm. he goes, "Every day you make me proud, but today you get a card <laughs> and." Mackenzie is blown away by this sentiment. The man
1: is on fire. Mm -hmm.
0: And then Tom goes into another like department's card meeting and it's the religious and holiday cards department. And he's just like, Mary. (laughs) And they're like, oh, my God. Perfect. And then he goes into another group and suggests I love us. And that's the card that he sees at day 321.
1: Yeah. So then back to sad times, through day three hundred and twenty-two, Tom says, I hate summer, her crooked teeth, her nineteen sixties haircut, I hate her knobby knees, I hate that cockroach-shaped birthmark on her neck, the way she smacks her lips before she talks, the way she sounds when she laughs. Then Tom hears she's like the wind in his headphones while he's on the bus and he just screams, I hate this song. And he gets kicked off the bus. So.
0: Not doing great. Yeah. Then we go to day 345 and Tom is on a blind date with a new girl. I believe her name is Allison. I think so. Is that right? She's like gorgeous. She went to Brown and she's making really pleasant conversation. She seems great, but. Tom stops her. He's like, I just have to tell you, you know, it's not going anywhere. And they end up at a diner, and Tom is talking about how he loved summer. And she took a giant shit on his face.
1: He says, he says literally, and she's like, literally.
0: literally? And he's
1: like, no, what's wrong with you?
0: That's yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> and he tells her that he messed up and wants to forget her. But he also knows that she's the only person in the entire universe who will make him happy. Oh my God. Right. And Tom tells her he keeps replaying all these memories in his head and just looking for the signs of something going wrong. So there are only two options. She's either evil, you know, heartless, emotionless, or she is a robot. So his date, Allison, asks if Summer ever cheated on him. And he's like, no, and she's like, okay, well, did she take advantage of you? And he's like, no, she hasn't. And she's also like, and she mentioned upfront that she doesn't want a boyfriend. And Tom is just stunned for a moment. And then.
1: Confronting his reality for the first time
0: ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he just says, you know, I have a great idea.
1: So, yeah, instead of maybe reckoning with the fact that he wasn't the best guy in this relationship, he takes this poor girl to the karaoke bar from the work happy hour. And he sings and Allison decides to leave and he's like, oh, fine, go. You don't look anything like summer. (laughs) So he's doing great. Then day 345, Tom takes a train to Santa Barbara. He gets on the train and he calls Mackenzie asking where he is, but Mackenzie has decided not to go to Millie's wedding. That's where he's going. And Tom is pissed because Mackenzie is the only one he was going to know there. And Mackenzie is like, sorry, bro, like maybe you'll meet some cute granddaughters or something. Peace out. So Tom is looking for a seat on the train when who does he see but Summer? So he pretends like he didn't see her and takes a seat a few rows up and like glances back at her. They make eye contact and the way he whips his head around so fast. I'm like, you couldn't be more transparent if you tried. All right. But Summer goes up to him and she's perfectly kind and nice. And is like, Tom, it's really good to see you. Like I wrote you a while back, but I never, I never heard anything. He's like, oh, you know, I've just been busy you know, work and everything. And she asks if he's still working for Vance and he says, yes. And she seems, you know, kind of disappointed by this, but she invites him to go get a cup of coffee with her. She notices his book that he's reading the architecture of happiness.
0: And Tom agrees to go get a coffee with her. Mm -hmm. So they get this coffee and end up just laughing and chatting and having a good time And then they arrive at the wedding and they've changed for the, you know, wedding clothes. And Tom is just stunned. His breath is taken away by Summer and her beautiful dress. And Summer says penis while they're sitting, waiting for the ceremony to begin. But Tom is like, no, not here. So Millie gets married and she kisses her groom. We see the sunset
1: then at the reception, we see Summer and Tom sitting together at the kids' table. They talk about, you know, each other's bad traits, like Summer snores, and she's like, so do you, but your feet also reek, and when you wake up, your hair sticks up, and they're just kind of, like, reminiscing. They're having a good mm-hmm. time, laughing around. They play duck-duck-goose with, like, a kid at the table. It's cute. Millie throws the bouquet, and Summer catches it. <gasps> Summer and Tom do a shot, and he asked her to dance. They're on the dance floor. They're, like, really reconnecting, and it seems like, you know, maybe things could be changing between the two of them. And Summer invites him to a party on Friday on her rooftop, and Tom is like, hell yeah, like, this is my in. I'm back in the game. And they take the train back to the city, and Summer falls asleep on Tom's shoulder.
0: aye, aye, aye. The next, like, scene we see is this documentary-style video of Paul talking about how he met his partner. They met in elementary school, and then in seventh grade, they had the same classes. And Mackenzie says, you know, love, as long as she's cute and willing, I'm flexible on the cute, also. Vance tells us he's been married for 21 years. She's the light that guides me home. And then he's like, yeah, I did get that from a greeting card. Um, I did not write that greeting card. (laughs) And then Paul, again, talks about his relationship and says that his dream girl might have bigger boobs or, like, maybe be more into sports. But Robin is better than the girl of my dreams. She is real.
1: I love that quote. Like, I think it's so... Poignant and important. And it's, yeah, it really sums up everything that Tom is lacking.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Tom has nothing to say.
1: So, day 408, I, this is probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie. I think it's so incredibly oh, really? well done. It's the expectations versus reality sequence. So, Tom walks to Summer's apartment and we see the. Sp- the screen like split one side is expectations the other side is reality and in his expectation of the night he arrives summer like kisses him at the door versus in reality summer just you know casually opens the door gives him a hug when he arrives and in expectations he like is greeted by the other party guests in reality nobody even acknowledges him and that was hard to watch yeah For his little gift for Summer, he gives her the book, The Architecture of Happiness. In expectation, she's so excited. She, like, gives him a hug. But (sighs) in reality, she's like, oh, you shouldn't have. That's sweet. I can't wait to read it. Then... The, the party and his expectations is much more intimate. It's more like a dinner party where everybody is just kind of sitting at a table, but Tom and Summer are in their own world. Whereas in reality, he is in a big group of people and somebody asks what he does and he says that he writes greeting cards, but Summer says Tom could be an architect, like he could be a really good architect if he wanted to be. And the party guest asks how he ended up writing green cards and he's like... Oh, you know, I thought, why make something disposable, like a building, when you could make something that lasts forever, like a greeting card? And he just gets, like, a, a light chuckle and a kind of, like, disappointed look from Summer because yeah, she knows that he has a lot of potential to be doing so much more, but he just doesn't go for it. Then in the expectation side, like him and Summer, I think they end up, like, making out – on the rooftop meanwhile in reality tom is just standing by himself while summer is introducing a guy to some people at the party in his mind the night ended with him and summer in her bedroom together but in reality Mm. the way that this like pans over we have the camera pan kind of like line up exactly with the editing choice of like the expectation screen going away and we pan over to see summer showing off her engagement ring to a friend.
0: Oh no.
1: Yeah. So he storms out of the party. He goes into the street and we see that like the, the shot kind of turns into like an architecture style, like drawing um, Mm -hmm. that gets erased, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it, it parallels kind of his world imploding. Because he thought
0: he had another shot, but yeah, he never did. He never did. But
1: yeah, this whole sequence is so well done. And I remember this also being, like, incredibly popular on Tumblr, like, seeing screen caps from this scene everywhere. And um, I feel like it would have been so fun to, like, do, like, shoot this scene as well. Like, get to do every scene twice and, like, really play with the different dynamics and – I think it's also very true to life where we always have different expectations going into a night, going into an evening, whatever it may be. And to like see that visually represented side by side was really cool.
0: Definitely. I mean, obviously, it just helps to frame how deluded Tom is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We go to day 440. Tom's alarm goes off and he just slams down. He is probably not getting out of bed. Day 441, Tom's alarm goes off again, slams it off, and he just turns over. Day 441 and a half, Tom ends up leaving his apartment just to, like, go to the corner store and buy some whiskey and orange juice and a bunch of, like, hostess snacks. hmm He's in his robe. He, like, checks out and then goes to the sidewalk where he sees a couple, like, walking together. And he's literally yelling at them. And he's like, get a room. No, seriously, get a room. Yeah. So. He's very bitter. Mm-hmm. And then go to day 442.
1: Tom finally does make it to work. And Mackenzie asks, bro, are you okay? And Tom says he doesn't want to talk about it. And Mackenzie tells him, well, get going. It's Thursday, which means it's time for the pitch meeting.
0: Yikes. So we go to the pitch meeting, and the first person presenting is this woman named uh, Rhoda. And she's like, I want to do a line of cards with my cat pickles. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be inspirational. And Vance is like, okay, Tom, like, do you have anything for sympathy? Like, we haven't heard from you in a while. Maybe something for the winter collection. And Tom tells him that he doesn't have anything to contribute. And Vance is like, okay, we'll come back to you. Um, Mackenzie, like, what do you have? And then Tom actually takes back the floor and he's like, I'd like to say something. Rhoda. Your cat idea is total shit. Go for it. You can do it. That's not inspirational. That's suicidal. He really goes in. He tells them that these are lies and people buy cards because they can't say how they feel. And Tom has just this freak out and looks at the cards, which include the Valentine's Day card that he came up with, like, I love us. And asks what love even means. And he blames the cards, the movies, the pop songs for putting this idea of love in his head. And says that they're also responsible. Like, he is personally responsible. And he says that people should be able to say how they feel without the cards. And decides to quit. Yeah.
1: I mean, he needed to. Like, Clearly, this is not the job for him, but it is pretty brutal. So Mm -hmm. we then go to day 450. Tom goes to Rachel's soccer practice, and she notices that he's sketching again. She sits down and asks him what's going on, and she sees that the sketch isn't, in fact, a building. It is a drawing of Summer holding a bloody knife. Yeah. Yeah. And she tells Tom that all her friends are obsessed with her and, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. He tells her that those are guppies. <laughs> and That's illegal. Yep. Yep. Rachel tells him she knows he thinks that Summer is the one, but she doesn't. He's just remembering all the good stuff. And next time he looks back, he should look again. This child is so wise and sage.
0: Wise <laughs> beyond her years. Yeah. Yeah, Chloe Grace Moritz. Moritz? Moritz? Moritz. She was always playing the like smarter than the adult kid. Mm -hmm. That was her her niche, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the next thing we see is this montage of moments between Tom and Summer. And he finally like starts to remember the flaws in their relationship. Like we see a lot of moments of them like at Ikea and the record store and movies, whatever. And then he remembers when they went to see the graduate and how in the final scene, like he looks over and summer is just crying. Like she's sobbing and outside the theater, he asks her what's wrong and asked if it was like the movie, but she's like, I'm just being stupid. And he's like, yeah. She's like, yeah. (laughs) Have you, have you seen the graduate? Um, I have seen parts of the Graduate, but I know the ending. Like, I know. Have you seen it?
1: No, I've never seen it, so I like actually don't really know what this moment is about (laughs) because I don't know like what happens in the Graduate. Other than he has the affair, he has like the affair with
0: her mom, right? That's the the thing. I can't even speak to that. I just know that in this final moment, Mm -hmm. it's like. I think he's, he's been trying to get with this woman who is like, who has just run away from her marriage. Like she's, you know, a runaway bride and they get on this bus thinking like, this is, you know, everything that they both wanted and it's so good. But then they kind of get this like look on their faces Mm -hmm. and they realize that like, they have no idea what's, what they're going to do. And maybe it wasn't the right decision gotcha so very like reflective of this isn't really what i want
1: right okay that makes that makes a lot of sense especially for him to misinterpret that film
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah so then we see them in a music store and tom mentions how much it pains him that people haven't heard of spearmint and summer's like i don't know that band but he's like yeah you do it was the first track on that mix i made you and she's like, oh, yeah, clearly has never listened to that yeah. mix. And then he, like, holds up this record, but she's disinterested. And as they're walking out of the record store, he tries to, like, hold her hand, but she takes her hand away. And they leave, and she's like, yeah, I think I'm, uh, I'm going to call it a day. You know, I'm tired. And... It's just so clear that she wants to get out of there and just Mm -hmm. have a moment to herself. But he's like, I've got it. Pancakes. Let's go get pancakes. So,
1: of course, this is what leads to that breakup scene. And it's once again him just like not listening to her, not listening to what she wants, even on the smallest sense of her being like, I want to go home. I'm tired. And he's like, well, I have a better idea. We're going to get pancakes because – That's what I want. Right. So days 456 to 476, we have a little montage. Mm -hmm. Tom is laying on his bed, bouncing a tennis ball when he decides it's time to get up. It's time to make some changes. So he takes everything off his wall. He has this like chalk paint on his wall, which was such a thing back in the day. (laughs) we see him like reading all of these architecture books. He is submitting his portfolio to different firms and we see him just like crossing off the list on this chalkboard wall of like all the firms that he's applying to. He then erases the wall. He starts drawing some buildings. We see like a small sketch pad where Tom is drawing skylines he, you know, continues on with his chalkboard work, and intercut with this, we see that Summer is having a fitting for her wedding dress, and we once again see a split screen shot where, as Tom is just riding the bus, very inconsequential. Yeah, Summer is getting married. Yeesh.
0: Mm-hmm. So day four hundred eighty-eight, Tom rides an escalator up to a park. He's looking pretty good He has like his suit on He has his hair done And he just looks so so much better Mm. And he sits on a bench in the park When someone calls his name It's Summer And she tells him that She thought she might see him here And he's like Oh I guess I should say congratulations And Summer tells him Only say it if you mean it And she asked him how he is and he's like i'll be okay eventually and she just compliments him she's like you look sharp and he's like oh thank you so do you and tom um, tells summer that he quit the office job and she's married like their lives have been changing mm-hmm. and she's like yeah it's it's crazy and Tom tells her she should have told him when they were dancing at the wedding and asks her why he danced with her. And she's just like, well, because I wanted to. And he's like, you just do what you want, don't you? And says that she never wanted to be someone's girlfriend. And now she's someone's wife. And he doesn't think he'll ever understand that. But Summer tells him that she just woke up one day and knew what she was never sure of with him. Oh
1: yeah. That's so brutal. Like, especially the way that she says, like the pause in between, she's like, I just woke up and I knew. And he says, knew what she says, what I was never sure of with you. And like, he even like turns away because that is like a really, that's a really painful thing to hear. I can, yeah. I can imagine.
0: Yeah. But just so like brutally honest, which mm-hmm. he needed to hear, I think, that it was it was never the same for her that it was for him.
1: Mm-hmm. It's because Tom, he just, like, decided on her. Like, he saw right, Summer and he decided right. on her.
0: He didn't decide once he got to know her and – Because he never did. Right? Uh, so he tells her it sucks to realize that everything he believed in was complete and utter – bullshit and he just kind of goes on a tear about believing in love and how it was so false but summer starts to just smile and like giggle and he's like what like what's going on like what's so funny and she tells him that she was sitting in a deli and reading dorian gray when this guy comes up to her and now he's her husband And, like, what if she had gone to a movie instead? Or what if she had gone to a different place for lunch or whatever it was meant to be? And she says she just kept thinking, you know, Tom was right. It just wasn't her that he was right about. Yeah. And she places her hand on top of his. And Summer says, she should go but she's happy to see he's doing well and before she leaves Tom yells out to her and says you know I really do hope you're happy and she just kind of like smiles at him and then walks away.
1: This scene is its really good. It is really brutal at some points like yeah, she is incredibly honest with him but he does need to hear it and this is kind of the most insight, I feel like, that we do get into Summer as a person. And we only really get to see her as this fully fleshed person once she's not in his life anymore.
0: Definitely. It's a really great closure scene. And also just to kind of hear her admit to him that she is in love. Mm-hmm. And it was just a coincidence because <laughs> the world doesn't revolve around him. Yep. <laughs> And she might have never been looking for love, but when it happened and when she felt it was right, she was mm-hmm. open to it. yeah, and it and that just wasn't going to happen with him like it mm-hmm. it was never going to happen with him, which is definitely hard to hear. but
1: and the reason that it's true. so it's so unbelievable to him that she is married is because. The, the picture that he painted for her is just, oh, she's just closed off. Like, it's because her parents are divorced. Like, she's just not, like, open to love. But if she just opens herself up, it's like, no, she was actually open. She just didn't want it with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is hard. That's a really hard thing to confront. But, it yeah, he yeah. just can't fathom her loving someone else because she didn't
0: love him. Right, right. And it was important for him to hear that she had that capacity. Mm-hmm. Because I think if – I mean, obviously, he would have gotten over it eventually, I would assume. But Mm -hmm. it was important for him to hear that she had that capacity, but they weren't compatible. Yeah. Because if he kept thinking that they were compatible and it just was like he didn't do enough or Mm -hmm. she wasn't, like, willing to whatever, but it wasn't that. It was that her feelings were never that strong for him. Yeah. So.
1: And, I mean, there's
0: the quote. Some people are there for a reason. Some people
1: are there for For a a season. season. And, you know, people can love each other and have feelings for each other. But that's not always, like, enough to sustain a relationship. Like, there's so many other factors. And, like, especially looking back at his whole thing of thinking that they're perfect for each other because they have similar interests. Like, that doesn't necessarily make a relationship For example, like my relationship currently, there's actually like a lot that we don't have in common. Like we don't really have the same interests and, you know, we like different things. But that doesn't really have a bearing on the health and functionality of our relationship because we like care about each other and we, you know, spend time learning how to communicate with each other and all this other stuff, which is what is more important to the function of a relationship than necessarily having a ton of things in common. And the beauty of having different interests is that, like, we get to learn about each other's interests and then also have things that are just our own as well. Yeah. Anyways. Day
0: 500.
1: Day 500. We made it. We're here. So Tom walks into an architecture firm and our narrator says that most days of the year are unremarkable. They begin and they end with no lasting memories made in between. Most days have no lasting impact on the course of a life. May twenty third was a Wednesday.
0: Damn, they love doing that. Mm-hmm. It means, but it meant not nothing. Today. Yeah. <laughs> today the weather was beautiful. You know,
1: it's just yeah. always that. So Tom sits down, waiting to be called in for his interview, and there is a woman there who asks. This woman also Minka Kelly.
0: I uh, know. I was like, oh my god, she's so beautiful,
1: which is why it's. There's a line we'll get to, which is like so shocking to me because she is so beautiful. But basically she asks if he – yeah, she asks if he's interviewing there and he says yes. And they realize they're each other's competition. And he says, well, I hope you don't get the job. And she says, well, I hope you don't get the job either. She then says, oh, I think I've seen you before. Do you ever hang out at Angelo's Plaza? And he is like – yeah like i'm there all the time it's my favorite spot in the city she's like yeah me too like i think i've seen you around there before and he's like i don't think i've seen you before i'm like you're telling
0: me you don't you notice don't. minka kelly
1: <laughs>
0: right in what world right you're telling me minka kelly noticed you when you were your shabby little headphones around your neck and you didn't notice Blasting Minka kelly? <laughs> yeah unreal
1: but he's like yeah i don't think i've seen you and she says well you must not have been looking And the narrator says, if Tom had learned anything, it was that you can't ascribe great cosmic significance to a simple earthly event. Coincidence. That's all anything ever is. Nothing more than coincidence. Wow. So Tom gets called up for his interview. He starts walking away. And our narrator says, it took a long time, but Tom had finally learned. There are no miracles. There is no such thing as fate. Nothing is meant to be. He knew. he was sure of it now. Tom was pretty sure. And then Tom stops, rushes back to the couch <laughs> and asks this woman if she wants to get coffee after this. And she says she's actually supposed to meet someone after this and Tom says, no worries and starts walking away. But then she changes her mind and says, "Sure. Oh my gosh. Well we'll fi- we'll figure it out. He introduces himself. And she tells him, I'm autumn. (gasps) And we see the clock reset to day one. one of autumn. Wow. And that's 500 days of summer.
0: Yes. Before we delve into the conclusion, pro tip, if you ever have like a meeting or an interview or an audition, I remember an acting teacher telling me once like, Plan something fun after the audition, mm-hmm. so you have something to like look forward to.
1: A little reward,
0: yes. A for little being brave, a serotonin boost. Yeah, mm-hmm. for being brave. Sometimes yeah. you just need to reward yourself.
1: Oh yeah. So what'd you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, we we spoke about it during right. the pod, but it definitely was very eye opening to watch as an adult after like yeah multiple failed. Um, Situationships, relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where love is like so ephemeral and liminal that you really can't pin it down. But when you have that feeling, like you know, Mm -hmm. and you should never have to guess or be in that position where you're like floundering, kind of like summer was. More in the position where Tom is, where he was just grasping at straws Mm -hmm. to fulfill the other end of the relationship. I thought it was an incredibly well thought out movie. Yeah. I think they made it very, very realistic and relatable. It kind of just makes me think about like the movies that I watched when I was younger. Like I want to just rewatch everyone and be like, oh, I didn't understand this back then, but now I understand it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a deeply personal movie, and I think it takes a lot of really deep self-reflection and sure. honestly courage to, like, examine yourself in the way that this movie does. Um, because you do have to confront a lot of your your flaws and your mistakes and, and like, behavior and ways of thinking that is not easy. So I really commend like the writer for being able to be that introspective because it's not easy. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed getting to watch it as an adult, revisiting it with like the perspective I now have having been in kind of a similar situation. And then like now being in a healthy, like solid relationship (laughs) that yeah, just so many things that Either I wish I ha- didn't – I wish I didn't diminish myself or I wish I didn't, like, accept behavior that, like, wasn't okay or I wish that I didn't project so many things onto somebody else that they could never live up to. And, yeah, I and I think that it is – because it is such, like, a well-planned-out movie, it just feels so tight. Even though we are jumping around the timeline constantly, the pacing is so good. They pack so much into it. It's only an hour and a half long.
0: Great pacing. Gotta yeah. say. Love a 90-minute movie. Here mm-hmm. for a 90-minute movie.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really, really liked getting to rewatch it, especially yeah. outside of all the kind of, like, discourse of the time of, like, who's the villain? Who's the bitch? Like, it's Ugh, so much bigger yeah. than that.
0: Yeah. Definitely recommend this movie to anyone who... I, don't, I mean, I would say I would recommend it to anyone, but yeah. like, especially if you are like getting over a breakup or mm-hmm. you feel like you want to kind of like revisit just feelings of like love and mm-hmm. being in that weird space where you're like wishing you were dating someone, but it would never get to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, because I do think it's like very deeply introspective, but incredibly relatable. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm watching someone's specific story that I can't really get in on. It does feel really resonant. Mm -hmm. I did not expect this movie to have such a profound impact (laughs) on my perspective on like love and dating. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there really, I really don't feel like there's a lot that's quite like this out there like there are things that will have similar tone or like stylistic choices or just being like of the time but yeah i can't really point to a lot of movies that are quite like this that does so much subversion of like these rom-com tropes that we've seen and like even just the the way that summer is painted out to be a manic pixie dream girl but actually isn't that's just like you know the perspective That Tom has kind of put on her he sees her as more of this empty shell that he can kind of fill up with whatever he wants and um, yeah I just think it's it's really unique and it was so it was so big it was such a big movie at the time and I totally understand why like it it really stands on Mm -hmm. its own and I think it's aged well I would say that like the fact that so many people misinterpreted this movie
0: yeah
1: means that there must be some shortcomings in the filmmaking that's fair. If, like, the narrative isn't coming across super clearly, maybe it because it is more subtle. I don't know.
0: I guess I also feel like I had that perception because when this movie came out, I was 13. So I yeah. was, like, hearing that um, perspective from other, like, teenagers, early mm-hmm. 20s. Um, I guess mostly teenagers, honestly, because middle high school era. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would be curious to hear from people who are a bit older than us who were like older when it came out yeah, and see what their perspective was. But yeah, I, it's just like a really fresh movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, would the, this is considered a rom-com or is it more dramatic?
1: I don't know. I don't know either. Let me see like what it's classified as. Yeah.
0: Cause I was going to say if it is a rom-com it's a very, like, fresh take on a rom-com.
1: Okay. According to Wikipedia, 500 Days of Summer is a 2009 American romantic comedy drama film. <laughs> so,
0: comedy drama. Romantic comedy drama. Yes. A rom-com drama.
1: Yes. Yeah. I would say if you haven't watched it since you were a kid or you just haven't watched it in a while. Revisit that shit. I think it's definitely worth, yeah, we, worth the the revisit. Um, if you want to watch it on Canada, it's available on Disney
0: Plus. If you want to watch it in the US, you can buy it on YouTube. You can buy it on um, Amazon Prime, and I think you can watch it on Hulu if you have like the premium version. But I'm, who has the premium version? No one.
1: <laughs> but before hey, we before we wrap her up, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, should we rate this movie? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to rate it? I don't know cuz I it's not one that I think I'm going to like rewatch super frequently. Yeah. But I like really really liked getting to revisit it, so I want to give it like a
0: high rating. Mhm. I think I'm going to give it like a a 9. Wow. I was thinking like 8 8.5. Yeah. I although I did like it, I don't feel like really just like my world was rocked or mm-hmm. That I love it so, so much now, but it was definitely an important watch for sure. And I, I wreck it. I recommend.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode.
0: Yeah. If you want more content from us, you can always subscribe to our Patreon. The link is in our bio. You'll get an extra episode every month that you vote for and some other cool perks. And you can always follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And you can send us a good old fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com.
0: And with that being said, I'm Mo.
1: And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.